Hey guys, welcome back to Final Sector, and this is the Final Sector podcast, the first edition of our Spotify-driven podcast. Um, this is an predominantly audio-only podcast. We'll be uploading this both on Spotify and on YouTube, but it's predominantly consumed uh, for, for listening. So while you're on the driver at work and you want to hear all about you know, our thoughts on what's been happening in F1 in the past, in the future, in the present, this is the podcast to do it. So you've got myself, Kyle, and Michael here. Hello. to chat about things. Um, we're first going to talk a bit about, as I said, a bit of the past, what's been happening the past few races at this point, you know, if you listen to this maybe a bit later on, we've just had the first three Grand Prix of the year, we're in a bit of a, a midweek break at the moment, so we've had some time to sit down and think about things, it's also Easter break here, so yeah, happy Easter more time off for, to think for anyone about things. Who, who celebrates, um, and, Indeed. you know, if you don't, then happy four-day weekend, so... Indeed, yes. Yeah. Hope everyone's getting some uh, some time off to relax and, and also enjoy F1 if you're a big F1 fan and yeah. think back to what's happened so far. So, um, yeah, look, as I said, we were just going to start reflecting a bit on the year so far, I think. Um, yep. I had a few, I guess, prompting questions to go over. I guess just at a very high level, though, have you enjoyed F1 so far this year? Has it lived up to the expectations? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it was a high standard last year. Um <laughs> With the, with the championship battle pretty much right off the bat last year, but uh, it, it, it at the very least uh, these these changes have shaken up the uh, the field at least enough to make it interesting. Uh, you know, Ferrari was always one of those that uh, a lot of people were banking on them doing really well, and I I think we were both just like ah uh, I think they might be a little bit closer but they they're not going to be as as strong as everyone seems to think they are we thought it was just a bit of a pipe dream but um mm. yeah no they've they've come right back through and it, it's the thing with rule changes is every single time you look back to the the recent sort of big rule changes and just about every time you know a, a team jumps from sort of third or fourth and they jump up or even sometimes lower so um and they they somehow jump to the top because they've just had more time to prepare for it so it just seems like it might have happened again but uh even the midfield i think the you know the hearts coming back through in the alfa romeo um sort of them them being in in the mix in the midfield uh is it's it's kind of hard to adjust to it a little bit because you sort of just expect to see them at the bottom uh because they've they've kind of been there for so long but um yeah i think it's definitely heading in the right direction so far um but it's still kind of early to say um you know with i'm not even sure how to how to word this but uh i feel i still feel like a lot can change in say 10 races um Mm. you know i think ferrari have shown they're probably going to be a constant um Mercedes, I think, have potential. I think they potentially have a fast car if they can get on top of their issues. I think McLaren could be the same. Uh, Red Bull, I think, could be there if uh, you know if their reliability wasn't so bad. I think Alpine have a a really fucking fast car this year. Um, mm. And then you know, uh, if if some of the teams, even like the lower teams, get a you know, find some miracle fix, who if they're going to be up there or if you know. Uh, teams at the top, like your Red Bulls and your Alpines, who have had some uh, some reliability problems, if they start dropping down at the end of the season because they're just running out of parts and have to take penalties, and you know, uh, I still think it's, it's a little too early to tell, but uh, I I kind of like uh, that all three races so far have had a little bit of something. Um, 
that uh, that made them interesting. So, uh, yeah, that's about all I've got, <laughs> really. No, that's certainly, yeah. I guess I'll touch on more on the regulations as such in a moment because I'll go through that uh, 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 separately. Um, mm-hmm. The bit that I think is interesting is because we, you know, we do still expect that things could, not necessarily that they will, but they could change quite drastically again mm-hmm. um, because we kind of had those those two weeks of preseason testing, but due to the nature of how it takes time for teams to digest data and such, and that because we're in a kind of cost cap limit and you can't just kind of make drastic changes on the fly, yeah. there are a lot of teams, you know, in, in previous years we've almost seen testing, and then in the second or third race they go, oh, we're bringing our first massive kit, you know, mm. from everything that we've learned. But we haven't really seen a lot of that. We've seen some, like, intermediate, moderate kind of upgrades, but nothing to the scale as we have by race three in previous races. And even looking ahead to the races coming up, many teams, especially those which you might expect, like Mercedes, to have big changes, are still coming out and saying, we're not ready with our big change yet, right? Mm-hmm. So you can even say that seventh, eighth, ninth race, maybe even after, you know, our mid-season break, there could suddenly be still these big swings and change-ups and things going on. Yep. Um, and I mean, I'll even, I've even heard murmurs on a few of those as well, which, which we'll touch on a bit later on um but i guess i wanted to get your impression as well if there was one let's say one i guess um um how do i want to word this if there was one theme that you could say has been your highlight of the season so far whether it's been a surprise or something that you were hoping for what what's impressed you so far is it a specific you know a team is it a track is it a you know (laughs) Mm. ah it's a good question um yeah, I mean, honestly, just the. I, I mean, I touched on it when in my my spiel earlier. Probably seeing like your Haas and Alphas up there with genuine pace. Um, like I said, you know, seeing uh, Williams, I think will sort of get there. Uh, but yeah, definitely seeing some of those more backmarker teams. Uh, really fight to be you know well in the midfield and sometimes to the top of the midfield. Um, I think for me has been. Uh, it's been really, really good to see. It shows that, uh, you know, that the regulation changes have had, uh, you know, some effect, you know, with, you know, how they, they get a little bit more uh, or they spent a little bit more resources and time in, in, in building their car and they had more dyno time and blah, 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 all this, you know, all the the, um, the regulation stuff that comes with it. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's probably the most exciting thing is... Uh, as much as having you know Ferrari at the front is is very very cool, um, I still we're not necessarily diehard Ferrari fans here. So yeah, if we maybe I mean, were, it's... then there'd be a bit of going. Oh, it's great. But... It's, I don't even <laughs> think it's that. It's more the fact that I can just. I, I know I said earlier that it could swing either way, but yes. it, I just, it just sort of feels like it's going to be a Ferrari kind of runs runs away with it at the front. So. Um, you know when you when you see when you saw mercedes do that during the the you know the uh the turbo hybrid era um you're just like oh okay they're you know seconds ahead of the the second fastest car cool they're you know you're two three races in you're like all right cool it's you know mercedes are gonna win so we look further down because that's where the interesting stuff starts happening. and often so. there was that theme where even in the later half of the year when teams like red bull started to catch up mm, that was yeah. good that we got some fights in the last five races but yeah. the championship was sewn up so that wasn't a consideration as well right so even yeah. if we have these three teams coming together after mid-season break mm. you could look back you know even even at braun they were very strong early on before red bull and others caught up but they had such a lead that it didn't matter but at least there was still that feeling that at least it was a new team doing it right which is yeah always nice a new driver and everything like that 
that. Yeah, for sure. I, I think there's still hope that it could be. What I was really hoping for at the top is like a three-way team battle. Like we haven't yes. seen that. We just haven't seen that for a long, long time. You know, three teams at the top battling uh, against each other. Not really before other. the yeah. Turbo Hybrid era, really. Yeah, it was exactly. the last time we saw that. Uh, so, and it's just a little bit disappointing that it's sort of... Uh, two teams, but it's more like one and a half teams at the moment. Red Bull, I think, are there-ish. Um, but yeah, they've got they got a lot of problems to sort out themselves. So, and Mercedes, uh, yeah, they're just not... They're, they're one step behind or a couple of yeah. steps behind even. So... Um, but yeah, there's still potential for them to get up. So I think you know maybe later they could it could turn into a three way battle and that could be interesting. But at the moment, uh, yeah, seeing the even from uh, you know Saudi to uh, Australia, you know the, how the the midfield teams were so almost it felt drastically different. You see, you know, yes, um, you know even the we, we talked about it in the Australian um, race breakdown, uh, which uh, hasn't come out yet, but it should come out uh, probably. I'm hoping today, maybe today. It'll be out before this, yeah. Perfect, this chat. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can you can listen to our thoughts on that one. Um, but yeah, seeing seeing the swing in in the teams, you know, whether it's down to setup or whether it's down to you know just the the car suiting the track. I mean, I think that's that's really really cool to see that it can swing that much uh, in the midfield. So. Um, and even yeah. on factors, I mean, we've always had changes between tracks, and these three tracks have had, I guess, haven't been too crazily different. Maybe mm-hmm. in terms of, like the temperature and such, but still not too different. Um, but even if you look at from using a use case of McLaren and how you know you compare their first race to their third race and how much the yeah. difference, and a lot of the, that they just put down to say, well, Australia is a lot easier on the brakes. Yeah. And you go really, but just the brakes being only changed, and they're kind of like, well, no, but that's actually quite significant for mm. us. So even a smaller factor like that. Just having easier braking zones That's to have it, that massive yeah. swing is like obviously there'd be a few little things under the hood and they were obviously quite comfortable with their setup and such, but still they were quite adamant in saying that's one of our main factors here. And there was a colossal swing, you know, up fighting for potentially, you know, a, a podium spot to mm. when they were toiling around nowhere near the points in the first race. Yeah, so, that's um, it. I mean, even Norris, I think, came out and said that like nothing about or basically nothing about the mclaren car had changed from those first two yes. races so they use like it's just better suited for the australian circuit so yeah um that's that's the kind of swing you can see you know that mclaren was slowest or second slowest car in bahrain and then it's you know probably the f- uh fourth or fifth i mean alpine had some pace but their strategy was a bit uh, a bit bad so yes um you know but they were up there fighting with the Mercedes and, you know, George Russell got a podium. So, um, you exactly. know, that's, that's a, a wild swing in two races considering nothing, more or less nothing changed on the car. So, yes, um, as we say, yeah. there was no massive error kit development change yeah. Yeah. and nothing like that, just getting it right. I think that touches on the other theme that I was going to bring up as well is that what's been great at these regs is it's almost like every team, if it's not just kind of like if you've got a poor car, you're kind of stuffed unless, you know, mm. half the field retires and then you get up there, even if you pull a, a blinded of a strategy, right? It seems like any team, if they do just have a good weekend in terms of getting the setup right and then having some good strategy plays, it's like that will almost always get rewarded now. Like mm. even when you look from the perspective in Australia of Alex... <clears throat> Alex Albon. Excuse yeah. me, sorry. Of Alex Albon, right? Yeah. It's not like... Like he stayed out there. Um, He did... What was it? 50... It was every race, but the, uh, every lap, but the last lap laps, on... Yeah. 
on a set of hard tires, right? Yes, there were some safety cars that helped, but he still boxed under green flag conditions. He mm-hmm. didn't really actually like get super lucky. The team put him on a great strategy, and the car was fast enough that actually on just raw race pace with a nice strategy, he finished on merit in the points. Yep. Um, so and that and that just shows that you know the Williams, which arguably has been one of maybe like the two worst cars you'd say so far, yep. vying for the worst car, still out there on pace with a driver that you know it's not like Russell was in that car or or, or you know even someone like I don't know Bottas for example. Oh, um, you're gonna you're gonna anger the Albon fans. Oh dear. No, <laughs> no I yeah I should just start with Russell. Shit. Let's just say Russell, We're right? You know what I mean? God. You'd say even Russell, right? If yeah, Russell's yeah, in that yeah. Williams, you did that, you'd go. That's showing Russell's pedigree. But Albon, who's he's obviously still A, this proves he's still got it, but mm. he's still getting up to speed, right? This is his yeah, third yeah, race in a team he's never raced before. It's true, having a year out, yeah. And he still was quite comfortable. I mean, we saw him out there on those old tyres, and Ocon was behind him, and he was increasing a gap on Ocon, who had fresher tyres, you know? So obviously, what not obviously, but what I love seeing is that any team, if they get the strategy right, can actually you know, reap the rewards of it. And yep. it's, yeah. So, well, so I love that too. Maybe except Aston. I mean, they're a bit. But on credit as well, you'd argue maybe if they got it right, who knows, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't it, know. I guess it doesn't help that from the perspective of them, I guess, looking at their most. I If you, I, I mean, we can look into them a bit if you want. I mean, the last few weekends, I'd argue that it's more just kind of like driver error and such and that. Mm. It's, and just, as I say, as a team, they need to be able to have all their gears together and then they get that reward. Well, I feel like there's been so many gears misaligned there, whether it's the drivers, whether it's the setup, whether it's Seb being away with COVID, all those yeah. factors, right? I mean, sure. he had to go out in Australia in a car that wasn't even set up right, partly due to his own fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the race, he made his own mistake, you know? So there's, there's still factors there that you'd say... Um, you know, it's not just the fact the car's so slow. I'd say there's so many gears missing there to bring everything together as yeah. a team. Like, I mean, even look at Haas and how successful they've been early. And a lot of that was down to good strategy as well mm. and good management from the drivers. True. So, True. Um, yeah. I guess that leads me into what my what my highlight would kind of be is um yeah. I I didn't really know what to dub it, but I guess this F1 team template in terms of going forward, both from the technical regulations and the cost cap and the general culture of how they want things to be run, mm. how much that seems to be paying off. I mean, yeah. we've seen that in Ferrari because they're of course the the whole point of having um they if you're not if if you guys aren't aware, they have this new um uh Basically, as teams are developing, they use things such as they um, run simulations on CAD models and they run simulations mm. in the wind tunnel. And if you're finishing worse in the constructors each year, you essentially get more time and a bit... Uh, you get more time in the wind tunnel and more runs of... I, I don't know specifically how it works, but you essentially just get more CAD testing and more wind tunnel testing. So you get more time to kind of figure out your car and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and if you do really well, then you get less of that. And the idea is not necessarily to punish the big teams, but just to make it a bit easier to catch up. So mm-hmm. as you say, why it's been surprising that we've had these big swings is because previously, if a team is going to move around, you expect them maybe to gain like a place in a year or drop a place in a year. It's very rarely in the past even six or seven years, we've seen a team really jump all the way up or back down, right? Mm-hmm. Without a big change, like unless they've changed like engine supplier, et cetera, et cetera. That's a different thing, right? Um, but in this case where usually we say Ferrari kind of committed very early to that and now they've come out of the gates running, you almost say, well, let's say Mercedes finishes, you know, third or even fourth. Is that then a case where that's then going to give them an actual, a lot more breathing room to say, hey, we've got a lot more than we have any other year now. Now we can actually make a bit of a step too. Um, 
And as well, that's why we're not seeing, you know, a big team like Mercedes in the past, if they were struggling where they are, they could just throw a ton of money at it and probably figure it out within a few races. But now they can't because of the cost impact. They have to, you know, it's not like the small teams which have just got it right are only going to get their four races in the sun and then Mercedes are going to blast away with them. You know, it is genuine for a Haas, a McLaren, an Alfa Romeo to be fighting with the Mercedes and they can be confident that's not going to change for for a while because you can't make sudden big moves as as you want to um, because of that kind of cost cap. Um, So I, I guess... Maybe it's a, a bit too generic, but I almost think that what, what I'm loving so far about this year is seeing that actually pay off on the track. Mm. And as much as, you know, I'd really been hoping so, because I'd been designing these rules for many years and, the, you know, they can talk the talk and walk the walk and go, yes, this is what we want to do. And But then there still might be workarounds. Those fears teams still find ways to kind of go around it. Mm. Um, or it could go but- even the opposite way where it, the, the ratio was so... Uh, so significantly different that these lower teams just absolutely jump the... Uh, the previous yes. like top teams and the top teams just drop and they just like oh they just and they can't just do yo you every year yeah. and you're like well what the bloody hell is going yeah, on? this is so that's, performance you know <laughs> it's it's it seems like they found a really really good balance um obviously yes. i mean they were working on these uh these changes for quite a while so you'd want to hope they <laughs> they did enough research to figure out that this was the the way to go but um indeed discussion and they had an extra year to work on them too with very COVID true and everything. Yeah, yeah so you'd hope even more with that they could refine them and i'm yeah. just saying so far again things could change but so far signs that that's all working well and most teams seem pretty happy with it mm. overall yep yeah sure yeah cool um um i guess just on the other thing I was going to ask you as yeah. well is um, really quickly, you can either give a few names or if there's one that stands out to you. So far starting this year, maybe because you expect them to do well or they have surprised you, driver or drivers that have that have caught your eye so far this year? Uh, I mean, the, the, yeah, the first driver is, is Charles Leclerc. I, I have to get <laughs> How him. How could it not be? <laughs> yeah. Um, he, with, with a championship winning car, he was always... I mean, I feel like I've talked about... I don't know if I've talked about this with you or if I've talked about it on... I feel like I've talked about it on a video before. But, um, uh, you know, last year there was this talk of, you know, oh, Sainz is coming to the team and he's matched match to Leclerc and, oh, maybe Sainz will get the championship. Oh, maybe maybe they'll fight, you know, they'll fight together. They'll be really, really close while they're the team. And I was never convinced. Um, no. And that seems to be the convinced. minority opinion too. We mm. were both pretty... I mean, even in our preseason predictions, yeah. we were both pretty adamant saying, yeah, he's... When he actually steps up to the plate, he's going to do it. But yep. I saw a lot of people, even guys we talk with, were kind yep. of like, "Really?" and and yep. kind of like asking us to go, "Why do you think that?" It's yep. like it seems pretty obvious. It seems and- obvious. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> Sci- I mean, Signs. Don't get me wrong; he's a fantastic driver. Um, you know, his his Australian weekend. I read up more on exactly what happened. It was yes uh, a. Most of it was not <laughs> not his fault. There was a bit of a cluster uh, truck going on. Yeah, right? you can so... excuse it somewhat and go, okay, an off weekend here is acceptable. Yeah, sure. And he is, you know, he is a, a fantastic driver. We saw him, you know, McLaren uh, with uh, with Norris, who we know is also uh, quite a good driver. So, and he's just been solid all round ever since he's come into to F one. Um, sure, but when you have a car that's like a top. It's it's a championship fighting car, and you put Charles and Carlos next to each other, and you say, "Who who of these two? If you had to pick one, who would win the championship?" Every time I'm picking Charles, he just has yep. he has that raw speed, he has that raw talent, uh, that race craft, that the the uh, is just something about him that 
you know, it screams the, you know, the Max Verstappen. It screams the 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 Lewis Hamilton vibe. He just has yes. that energy uh, of of that world champion that someone like you know, I I kind of liken signs to, um, again, maybe people will get mad with this, but I, I sort of liken him to a like a Perez kind of character where he's a good driver and he can he can win races and he's you know he can get on podiums uh he can do very very well but you put him up against someone like a Max Verstappen is is he really going to surpass him I don't think that he will um I I think that Charles just has his upper limit is higher than uh, than Carlos's is so, and I think it's when a lot easier to justify him yes. being against those champions, you know, you wouldn't yeah. suggest he, oh he's potentially got the caliber of a Max or a Lewis, and yeah. people would go, oh, what do you mean? Mm. You know, at this point, kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and I mean, it, even in you know the very first two races uh, with with Charles, you saw how he was uh, how he raced Max uh, at the front, and you, I just immediately, I'm just like, ah, oh, he's. He's world champion quality, just based on that. He looks like he should be there. Yeah. He wasn't. He didn't need a few races to go, ah, this mm-hmm. is what it's like to race at the top. It's yeah. like he'd been practicing for this all his life. Exactly. And immediately, yeah. he was just on it straight away. But so many other drivers might have been there and kind of gone, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, we saw that a bit with Bottas, right? How much yeah. experience did he have? And occasionally, when he was fighting for a win, there was a few times where he, you saw he could have gone for a move or defended a bit harder, but he didn't. You almost felt like he just hadn't had enough time to mentally think about being in that moment fighting for the lead when the pressure was really on yeah completely the opposite with Leclerc you see him there and it looks like he's just you know all that experience and promise he's told to you know Ferrari and Bonaro and that that have placed their faith in him mm. you forget he was only at what Sauber for a year and then they brought him in and that was big controversy at the time yeah. given Ferrari normally pick experienced drivers and yet here we are he's got his first chance and my god is he bloody he's, <laughs> running ta- he's away taking it. it yeah so uh yeah he was he was one uh, obvious one, but I, it was almost sort of expected if they gave him a car that worked, like a, a car that could fight for a championship. I always saw him, um, you know, taking that opportunity and being like, okay, totally this, is, this is my championship to win. And that's what we've seen. So um, outside of him, um, having a little think that the other standout is honestly, honestly, probably Bottas. Um, I think he's done, <laughs> I mean, a lot of it comes to, I think he's he's very much a he he needs to have pressure off uh, as it seems um he, he he's doesn't... one of those midfield superstar drivers yeah, he's yeah. in the midfield like mm. he was in Williams you saw him he do was some so amazing good. performances yeah. yeah and he was fine in the top you still feel like he just was more suited to that yeah. midfield environment right yeah yeah um and yeah seeing him now he has that you know He's he's come out and basically said, you know, now that he has a multi-year contract rather than the, the effectively year-to-year contract he was at Mercedes, yes. uh, he feels a lot more confident, you know, a lot more uh, comfortable and and being able to to effectively race the way he wants without fear of, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not performing enough, or you know, am I doing enough to to get Mercedes enough points, or am I effectively? He went from, am I fighting, uh, I'm not doing enough to fight Lewis Hamilton, to, oh, am I not doing enough to get Mercedes the championship? Am I not supporting Hamilton enough? Yes. And, uh, you know, whatever. And then, uh, But, yeah, going back to um, Alpha and having that, you know, multi-year contract. And, again, first race he came out and he's just like, hey, I there's a reason why I got this Mercedes, the Mercedes seat in the first place. This is why. This, yes. is, this is what I can do. So, um yeah, seeing him, you know, consistently uh, in the top ten is is very very cool. 
performing um, yeah. and it really seems like he's yeah. loving it too which is also good right like yeah. there are some drivers who might slip back and they kind of be like eh, like it's mm. all right but i feel like i feel like i always got that impression from massa when he dropped back into the williams fold and they started to fold a bit he kind of felt like he was yeah. making up a bit of the numbers and they had to scrape him back in when bottas moved out and there was yeah. a bit of a just let me go yeah. i'm ready <laughs> yeah, to leave. yeah. Um, vibe there. kind of a similar vibe i get from vettel i think as well yes, in contrast yeah. where in the midfield he seems a bit kind of like uh like i kind of you know i'm here but mm. yeah <laughs> yep. or bottas as you say um I think it was interesting. I was listening. I believe it was the BBC breakdown, maybe for race the second race of the season. Mm. Um, and I think it was Sam Burgess bring up to say that the difference is when you're in a Mercedes and you're always having to fight for that another contract, or you know mm. you're at fear because that team needs two really competent drivers every yeah. weekend, right? And you have that one-off weekend, and then going to the next weekend, it's just nagging constantly in the back of your head, going, "You have to get this next one right. Yeah. You have to make up for it." And then, yeah. but in 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 a team like this, he can have that confidence that you know if he has a bad week. He can kind of just go, that happened, that's fine, reset, chill out, don't have to worry about it because he mm. knows the axe isn't coming if he suddenly he has another bad weekend, yeah, right? Exactly. He's yep. got a bit more leniency there. Um, and that's obviously doing doing wonders for him. And mm-hmm. he's showing that on track by racing well, yep. um, putting in performances. The team obviously is doing well. I mean, at this stage, it's too early to look back at our predictions, but let's say the team is doing a lot better than we might mm-hmm. have initially spoken <laughs> yeah. about too. I don't want to think about um, that right now. No. no. And I guess just quickly as well, in the other seat as well, I'd say that's the driver the that's one. impressed yeah. us for expectations yep. is, is um, Xiao Guan Yu. Yep. To his credit, he hasn't been to the level of Bottas, but again, being a driver that I think a lot of people, including us, really wrote off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always liked him, but never to the level where I thought he was going to really succeed. Yep. He has had a lot of bad luck with his starts, which seems to be less out of his control and a problem with the car. Yeah. I mean, well, if you Bottas look at Saudi had Arabia. To, Bottas had that bad Exactly. Start He's had it too. Well, so, yeah. yeah. And even in Saudi Arabia, there was a bit of faffing around with the team, which seemed yeah. a bit odd. But even over that entire race, if you listen to his radio, he was never affected by it. He mm. wasn't like yelling at the team. You know, he was like, that's okay. He just got on, did the job, raced well. And for being a rookie in a team like that, he seems to be doing really well. Bottas has said openly, yeah. he loves him. He's They're getting along really well. Zhao's spending a lot of time in the simulator, a lot of time with Bottas. Yep. Um, and for, for us, which was saying, oh, he's going to be there a year and going to have to find somewhere else. At this point, I'm like, he's doing really well and it's nice to see someone who yeah as i say i I, i've always liked him a lot and always felt that it was just a bad timing to come in especially well i guess if we're in australia and you see piastri there and everyone's going he should be in there right but it's um yeah so he's he's the other driver i was definitely going to mention in that bubble i was gonna mention him as well so um outside of that there's nothing uh i guess super outstanding seeing george right on um Hamilton's pace, I guess, is kind of cool. It's not super unexpected, um, but yeah, I just think, nice to see. It, yeah, right? I, I think Hamilton's getting a little bit flustered with not being near the top and having a car that's just not. It just doesn't <laughs> doesn't really work right now. So I yes. think he's getting a bit. He's a bit designed to be yeah. at that top, right? Yeah. Now it almost feels like he's falling into what Leclerc was last year. Where he's kind of just like, yeah. I guess I'm just running along and hoping that things improve. Yeah. I guess I'll say the other driver, which we probably would have brought up with Bottas, is Magnussen. Of course, yeah. we forget that he was pulled in kind of last yeah. minute into a you know a team that yes he's raced with before, but he was still racing in different categories. You know, for, for the past while, I was expecting to for this year as well. Um, and again, given some solid tools, I mean, even his early years at, at, at Haas, mm-hmm. um, another driver, which was only on year to year contracts. And I, I remember seeing, I believe it was Ted doing 
gosh, I don't remember when it was, but um, the weekend that he was announced to have a multi-year contract, and oh, I remember yeah. him running down the paddock kind of screaming, multi-year, multi-year, <laughs> and he was so happy and excited. And I again, didn't know I think that. It's... I have to watch that video. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to send you the link. For really it. It's stuck in my memory. Um, <laughs> but again, a guy that's come in, he's got a decent car in his hands with a team that's really, you know, obviously in a lot better state than when he was there last. Mm-hmm. Um even against a pretty tough teammate, you'd say, based on what we know from Mick Schumacher, mm. and yet he seems to really just be similar to Bottas, able to pull it out, have yep. some good f- battles, take care of the car. Um, it's it's great to see, yeah. <laughs> both because he's supporting Haas and just to see him back yep. and the doubts almost immediately eradicated. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the, the, the standouts, I would say. Uh, I mean, you could talk mm. about Alpine. We obviously didn't expect Alpine to, to be as high up as they did just as a team. Um, as a team, yeah. yeah. As drivers, probably where we expected them yeah, to be, I think, I as think well, so. is the thing. Um, yeah, just giving a brief think about it. I mm. mean, I, I, of course, got a shout out to say I think Checo's doing all right. Yeah, he could he's be doing do- a bit worse. He's doing okay. I, th- I think he's doing um, better. Yeah, a lot better than he did last year. I think it, if he continues in the the way he's going now, I think he, he's doing enough to earn another year uh, at, at Red Bull if he stays as yes. he is now. If he starts... If Max finally gets a car that doesn't die every three laps, uh, and he starts to sort and of and he's pull a away, mile off of say signs, right? Then, all he yeah. really has to do yeah. is keep up with signs, exactly. and if he can yeah. do that, that's all they need, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, at the moment, he's doing exactly what he needs to. So, um, but yeah. again, the season's long, so we'll, we'll see how it develops. It is. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to again. Oh, no, you go. Go on. No, you go. You go. I was just going to say. Finally, we. I mean, we already talked about it, but I think Albon coming in new and especially yep. against. A, you know, someone like Latifi is, is doing well as well. We've kind of already touched on that, but yep. I think he's also slightly beating expectations too, For which sure. is good to see. Yeah, very, very good. Um, I wanted to touch on uh, actually the Alpine, um, specifically Alonso's uh, issues at Australia, because I sort of read up uh, a little bit about what happened, because he was, um, uh, yes. if you recall, uh, again, we talked about it in our um race breakdown, but a little bit more information's come out since then. So I just kind of wanted to mention it because it's, it's wild it. to think about. Um, Alonso was obviously on a a very 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 strong Q three lap, um, which he, some were touting could have been like P two, but probably would have been like P three P four at the absolute. He would have worst. been right in that tight mix behind yes. Leclerc. He wasn't yeah. going to get pole with that Leclerc lap, no. but he was right up there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and before his uh, his car decided to stop like downshifting. Uh, yep. in the final sector, he got stuck in fourth gear and and then went off, which was a, a damn shame because that, again, like we like we said that our Alpine is like surprisingly quick. Uh, this whole year they've just had a lot of pace. Um, How many doubts was there on that bloody engine? And then yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they just I don't know if they're. I mean, there's this theory that they're like running it super. They're just running it super, super strong. But no, no, as in they're running it. Oh, I like see what running you're it saying. like at one hundred and ten percent. Because I think Alonso's already gone through an engine. To that credit, um, he's so actually already on his third. He's already engine, on his yes, third. So, one, so. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, they're either getting more out of it because they're just running it way too hard. Uh, the theory that people seem to think, and again, we've we've. I think we might have mentioned it in a video. I forget what we mentioned on and off, <laughs> on and off yeah. camera, but. Um, but uh, you can change the power unit for reliability, but not for performance. So, um, you know, Alpine might just be going for that all-out performance, and if they find their reliability is 
completely dog shit, uh, there is some leniency in being able to change uh, change the engine parts for reliability. So um, correct. So kind of the two phases where they had to lock part of it in the start of yeah. the year, and then September is the second part. And I think that second part is more to iron out that reliability side. Yeah, for sure. So um, we'll see what happens with that. Maybe they're kind of. Maybe that's one of the first sort of flirting with the rules a little bit. Um, mm. I think that's a lot of people seem to be thinking that that could be, you know, that's Alpine thinking, oh, we'll, we'll just run the engine super hard. Um, they'll break super quickly, but it's like, oh, okay, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll work around the reliability when we need to get to it. But for now, we'll yeah. just, we'll have that raw pace. So um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But anyway, going back to the Australia incident, um, apparently mm-hmm. uh, the, the hydraulic issue that uh, Alonso had was caused by a one pound fifty part. There's an O-ring in the oil seal which threaded and caused oil to leak, uh, and the failsafe kicked in. Really? So oh, a one pound <laughs> one pound fifty O-ring um, killed that uh, potential front row start uh, for for Alonso, and he ended up being it's amazing, isn't the, it? Uh, last of the finishers in seventeenth, which <laughs> goes to show how uh, how quickly they can fall. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, so I yeah, I just wanted to mention that that's how that's how um easy someone's weekend can Hero be. Hero to zero. Yeah, <laughs> million, million dollar cars, but a one pound fifty fucking O ring can yeah. um can kill everything, you know. So I just thought that was a, an interesting little tidbit. But yeah. I think um the other point I was gonna make, I had a note here. Yeah. I probably should have brought up when we were talking about Charles, but I think just to demonstrate how good his start has been, mm. is I saw a stat that's saying since twenty eleven he's been the second most successful driver in terms of getting points out of the first three races. And that includes oh, really? the entirety basically of the Vettel era in the Red Bull and the Mercedes era as well. He scored hell. the second most, I think only behind um I think it was behind Rosberg in one of one of his good years as well. So that Puts it in perspective to say how strong his start is when you think about the past, you know, 10 years of racing plus. Wow. <laughs> does, does that mean he's ahead of Hamilton as well? Yeah, in terms of some of Hamilton's starts as well, yes. Fucking hell. Because a lot of the season starts previously when they started, especially when Ferrari was up there, as Vettel generally gave a run for his money and Mercedes got a little unlucky early mm. on. And when, especially in the in the yeah, Bottas-Hamilton yep, era, yep. they were quite back and forth. Yep. Well, the clay he has had two wins in a second right yeah you really only can get three wins to maximize it and now with the bonus fast slap point as well it's probably edged him slightly closer ahead yeah, too yeah that's a good point good point yeah there you go wow. um so i guess we'll go um a bit into some current news and comments i mean we're touching on them a little bit as you say sure. um but i've got a few points here yeah, um, yeah i guess i guess a good place to start we can start here is um new races i mean we i th- believe we mentioned it um previously in a video because it's been news for a little bit now but with the new race for next year in vegas as a third race in america i actually don't think we've announced this one uh because this one came out i can't uh, recall yeah i think this one came out actually the announcement came out after we we stopped doing the the news videos so um yeah i just don't know if we slid it in somewhere yeah i I don't think so but uh maybe we have yeah yeah not talked about it at length anyway yeah so um, as we say, uh, it'll be a third race in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the um, F uh, I don't know what to call them. The F one representatives in charge of figuring out where F one's going to go. Those people. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's a long title. Said that maybe they should shorten <laughs> yes. that. Yeah. Yeah, there'll be some acronym or something. Yeah. <laughs> the Fiazzaros, I don't know. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
they've basically come out and also said they have intention to visit many of the locations as well as in America. They've been open now for having a second race in, in China. They want to expand that market. Yep. They want to return to um, South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question rises was saying, well, they're currently on a 23 race calendar. They basically have a contract with the teams to say they won't run more than 24. And yep. most of the teams have said that that's basically their very hard limit. They yep. would need some really big incentives to push past that. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes... You're bringing all these new races, which is great, but the calendar's starting to look mostly like there's kind of a lot of tracks now that we'd either consider, you know, old classics or newer races we really don't want to suddenly see gone. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. So, um, a mention of that is one of the races that's come up a fair bit is the French Grand Prix, mm-hmm. and part of that, I heard Ocon come out, basically saying that he would do everything he can to save it and stop that from happening, yep. which I thought was interesting. Same with, uh, um, Ga- I, mean, I think Gasly said the same as similar well. Similar comments, yeah. Yep. So, um, and it speak for the drivers. I mean, even even when I was on the ground in Australia, and what it might do, you know, what it does to a driver to be at home and to see how that energy and to have it as a point to look forward to, you know, knowing that it's not going to be the end of the world. But if you are a driver from a certain country that has a race and that might go, that could be quite, you know, mm-hmm. um, even looking at the German Grand Prix and you know, Vettel's been quite outspoken to say it sucked to lose that. Yeah. Um, yep. Both because it was a classic track, and you know, um, well, they got two tracks there, how- like. Yes, like, yeah, and they, they never they they cycle between the two, and now yeah. exactly. So, um, yeah. So the question kind of comes: what's what's going to happen? It's been interesting as well, and in that Monaco, which essentially had, um, I forget what they call it, it had like a royalty clause or something like that, where yeah. they essentially said because this is the crown jewel, it's going to be the last on the chopping block, and they essentially give them a lighter fee to stay on the calendar. Yeah. But I think going forward, they've said that's now exempt. They're on the yep. same contract as every other track. Yep. They need to start paying more fees for it. And as well, I think their exemption to practice on the Thursday and have the roads open on Friday, they've also said, we're not doing that anymore. Yep. Um, yeah. We're going to stick yep. to the normal as schedule. Of, I think so... as, of, as of this year, it's still, it's gone to the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it will be. So yes, I think you're right. First year they're yep. doing that. So yeah, um, they're, they're basically saying, actually, no, the the pedigree of the, the Monaco Grand Prix is, it's, it's not more important than f1 as a whole now so um yeah we don't need it's it's either um it's it's either a bluff they know they can win or it's literally like we're getting so much more money from these other tracks that you know they obviously lost a lot during the pandemic and they're trying to recoup yeah um costs which you know they are a business um you know they're getting so much more money from these tracks getting these 10 uh 10 year contracts you know the the three races in america the potentially you know the second race in in china you know all the middle east races as well um you know they're getting yes. a, a lot of money to, to go to these places and it's like well what is monaco really giving us uh yes. you, know, mon- you know financially or monetarily so um you know maybe it is just a actually we don't technically need you so um at least from a, a business standpoint so uh there's obviously a lot more that goes into that, but uh, I think the yeah. the uh, Monaco Automobile Club president came out and he's basically guaranteed that the Grand Prix will stay past uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. So whether or not that's actually the case or he's just like, I will not let it go, um, or yes. you know, he's just kind of... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but we'll, I'm sure we'll f- we'll find out soon because the the uh, the contract expires this year. So exactly, uh, what- if it's a statement to say, look, we're happy to pay more to have it yes. here, then I guess yeah. it's a win win. Because again, I mean, there's always comments that Monaco could be more exciting, but mm-hmm. because it is kind of so unique in that, and the drivers love it, and is such an achievement to win it. Yeah, there's nothing to say. Well, if we can stay here and actually 
it helps out give all the teams and all the commercial rights holders a bit more money because mm. they're going to pay a bit more, then it's a win-win, right? That's yeah. less cause. I mean, not to get too controversial, but if you were to say, you know, if we double the fees that we're hosting for Monaco to get rid of Saudi Arabia, I think most people would be like, yeah, okay, I'm happy to take that. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Rather than having to go, okay, we're going to charge them less, but we've got to race at more yeah. more oil money states. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it is interesting when you when you look at the Canada. I mean, F one of course, I guess have been they're obviously open to from a racing perspective to change certain tracks. I mean, we saw that obviously at Abu Dhabi, which has been a lot of criticism, yep. and they were happy to make quite significant changes. Um, I mean, we saw it as we say even with Australia. Yep. I mean, Australia is moderately safe, but there's still been talks for a while now saying they could either move it or just scrap it entirely. So they've obviously been open to trying to change things. Um, with Spa as well, happy to make those Eau Rouge changes. There was often a case for a long time to change Radion and Eau Rouge, but it's very tricky because it's essentially just a little straight down a giant hill. Mm. And they said it would be a massive amount of work and, and yeah. track closure. And they often race there throughout the year to do that. And obviously they've pushed their hand on it, especially, you know, with some of the unfortunate accidents recently. And they've mm. finally gone, okay, yes, we'll pull our thumb out and make these big changes that you want. Yeah. So it's also such it's an, good- it's such an iconic part of the track as well that you don't yes. you, you don't want to change it so much that it loses its identity so yeah i think the flow itself is relatively similar it was more having a lot more runoff and a the lot runoff, more I think, space for safer barriers yeah. because you have cars coming off and because it's so thin yeah. they get fired back into the firing line which is scary track, when yeah. there's a blind crest yeah. get t-bone we've seen way too many scary instances there mm-hmm. as we say resulting in some you know not not great outcomes yeah, um for sure so yeah, but even it's it's tricky looking at the calendar. I mean, I guess the the um, middleman they can go to is like a cycling calendar where they could yep. almost have like forty, fifty circuits, and they kind of just cycle them every year, two year, three year kind of deal. Yep. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Vettel and Signs have both come out and with suggestions of the the rotational yep. schedule um, in the future, which is something that again we talked about when when they started announcing all of these. Uh, uh, these American big contracts races, and right. all the American races, and um, you know the again going to to Saudi long term, and you know the Qatar one that's coming back next year, and um, you know going and then going back to all the ones that have been off the calendar for ages, you know like Singapore, which has got that contract to twenty twenty eight. Canada's got a contract to twenty twenty nine. What else have we got here? Yeah, China's obviously coming back, and that's still got a contract to twenty twenty five. They still want a second one there. They're not going to get rid of. Uh, the Chinese race, especially while uh, Zhou Guanyu's still still racing as well. Um, yep. The Suzuka is coming back. They've only got, I think they finished 2024, their contract. But, you know, that hasn't been on the calendar um, for a little while. So, you know, all these tracks coming back um, because COVID is sort of still, it's still around, but it's not quite as yeah. uh, rampant as it once was. So um, it'll be interesting to see hey what what goes like obviously a lot of the the tracks like your portugals and your turkeys and um you know these ones were sort of more of a filler uh while they uh while the other tracks couldn't be raced they probably unlikely to see them come back but uh you never know yeah Yeah. there was yeah yeah unless they form part of that rotation i mean i was even surprised i was even talking to people about imola Imola. and they were kind of like oh is that actually on the calendar now that you know because they were a kind of filling circuit they were that was one i think which was so good and it has that history that they went well we're actually going to stick it here but again then you've got you know two races in italy and you start going well they're going to rotate between monza and and, you know imola and then you start going well you can't get rid of monza but then you go well then how what tracks can you get rid of i mean (laughs) you know it's um 
It's interesting, yeah. It's um, it's I guess it's a good problem to have, right? When we went from COVID and you know seeing the F one could be struggling a lot, and now they're probably putting this new structure where mm. it's a lot easier for for teams to exist. Where as we'll probably get into shortly, um, you know, engine manufacturers are keen on coming in. Um, there's a lot of tracks that want to come in, which just shows that there's a lot of more interest and everything's a lot more affordable. And you know, hopefully, that means we see less tracks we're going to just for the promoters with empty grandstands and empty seats, and we can more be in places like you can imagine. You know, even um, it was interesting on Twitter when they announced the Las Vegas Grand Prix, and I saw so many people, you know, from even just um people from uh, I follow from games that I play all you know saying oh there's a race in Las Vegas do you want to go next year and they're like yeah let's do it oh, you know wow. and cool. people that have never watched F1 before they're kind of like that would be so cool mm. you know um and arguably I could even see something like the Vegas race almost replacing the honor of something like Monaco being yeah. you know as an iconic track in somewhere amazing people, you know, people have been in a suggesting that, location. Actually, yeah because it's because yeah. of the the glitz and the glamour like that very easily could could take the place of that that Monaco glitz yes. and glamour so um at least in terms of the spectacle of it so um yeah it, it's it's gonna be so very interesting to see I, I think the end of this year will be will be interesting to see what what gets put on the chopping block because there's definitely um at least a couple of tracks that that have to go um whether or not they will actually try and keep it at 23 or whether they'll actually bump it to 24 um mm. that will give them at least a little bit of leeway um but yeah the the ones that are out of contract at the end of this year are as we said monaco spa france and mexico are the four um so uh yeah it seems like it's yeah i don't even know i mean every time i I read it seems something different but it seems like france might be the closest one to go but then if you've got you know a couple of drivers are saying that's i but again, you know, then you had Vettel who said Germany and it didn't matter. They got rid of it anyway. You know, they still had a yeah. couple of Germans at the time when um, uh, when they got rid of that. So it's it's not entirely unthought of that they could just get rid of France. Um, in recent in recent years, it has been not the best for racing. Um, but given, you know, the it, I guess it depends on how the... <laughs> maybe how the race goes this year as well so um it's they do true. have they yeah. do have one year to um i think that it, produce a cracker <laughs> yeah yeah produce a cracker maybe try and really promote it get the ticket sales up um i'm not sure how much uh covid is going to be restricted in in france but um yeah just just try and promote the heck out of it and try and get the maybe the biggest french grand prix kind of like the australian one did this year um yeah they just yeah they just had record breaking sales so um if you can do something like that and be like here here's our value um then maybe they'd be more interested in 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 trying to keep it on but uh yeah yeah i think at least one probably two of those four tracks uh will go for next year i think um yeah yeah we'll certainly talk about it for a long time yep. as we have been already yeah <laughs> i guess yep. we can use this as a segue yep. we do have related to this um a viewer question did you want to take that yeah yeah this is from our friend sam aka crosso dog so if you have any by the way if you have any uh questions or uh you know topics you want us to talk about again because this is a longer form we can sort of go into a, a bit of a deeper discussion so uh let us know if you're listening on spotify just send them to us uh at our twitter at, at final sector yt um and yeah we'll we'll try and incorporate it into the uh the next episode if you're 
watching or listening on YouTube, uh, just leave them in the comments below and same deal. But uh, yeah, this one's from, from Sam and he says, or he asks, at this point with all the circuit changes, I'd love to know what adjustment you'd make to a track to make F1 better there. So examples he gave is like add or take a corner, add runoff areas, etc., uh, etc. Et so um, let us know your thoughts. Uh, we've had a little bit of a think about it. Uh, I don't know mm. if you, you have uh, more info than I do. I've, I'm still trying to, uh, struggling to think of something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what would, you, what would you change about a, a track to make it better? I guess I think of some, even some tracks that used to have certain things they changed. The main Singapore one Sling Chicane. Mind, I think. Let's go, bring yeah. it back. <laughs> if you haven't seen um the Singapore Sling, go on YouTube and search Singapore Sling. You'll see a great official video from F1 yep. where they look back at, at it and um the bloody chaos that was that corner. I think they said it um at the Vegas race. There's a set of corners that seems reminiscent of the Singapore Sling as well. I believe. Oh really? So <laughs> that oh, might be interesting. Um, depending how they render that. Um, but I do think back. I guess my first thought um, is for Imola heading into the last the straight. They used to have the chicane. Um, a left right chicane there, yeah. which I think actually kind of would work well in these cars. Mm. I feel like running off of the back of those two corners. They're kind of the type of corners that tend to stretch cars out a bit. Sure. And I kind of like that old chicane. I mean, it helps that we had, you know, that the old shot of um of Hakkinen coming out of the back and slamming into the wall, and that's always memorable for me. Mm. Um, um, but I feel like a, a something like that in this current day. I mean, even if you think about it from from, it's a similar thing to Spa, I guess, where at the end where they used to go through quite a quick section, but now they've slowed it down a bit, and that seems to work quite well. When Spa had the old an old version of their in bus stop, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, so that's probably a change I wouldn't mind reverting. Um, maybe controversially in Australia, I would probably... A lot of the corners that they changed a minor amount, I would keep. I quite like those. You want to bring back the, sh- I the, probably, the right, left, don't you? Yes, yeah. I would bring back that straight that goes into that more of a braking zone before you go down against a, a, across the... the um, what do they call it? The I forget the name of the road. Lakeview Drive, I think mm. it is, when you go to the side of the lake. I would probably bring that back i think a lot of drivers were saying too they quite enjoyed that corner it's quite tricky yeah. even getting the traction out of there is very hard we've seen a lot of drivers fly out into that wall i think it was like off camera get... potentially wasn't it maybe i don't know yeah i think it just had a big curb in the inside and it was easy okay, to kind yeah. of yeah and in these cars i think it would present a bit of a more of a challenge as well and even if they just kind of redefined that and made it a bit slower mm. i think that could have been interesting yeah um so i might even bring that back um I might have a bit of a think about some others. What have, what have you got so yeah, far? Yeah, I mean, I've <laughs> literally just got... Uh, <laughs> again, I mentioned this before as kind of a joke, but in France, I kind of just want to get rid of the eyesore of the runoff area, the blue and white stripes. Just, I just yeah. It's so f- painful to look at. Um, just put fucking gravel in there, please. Um, well, even just keep the concept of it makes sense in terms of having like a, a, yeah, a, a yeah. light sandpaper, heavy sandpaper, mm. but just colour it differently. Yeah. Why is it coloured like that? Yeah, I don't fucking know. Um, and I mean, the only other thing, like, I don't know how they would do it, but, um, it's again, sort of fantasy world stuff, but like Monaco always has, you know, their qualifying is, is always one of the best because they have to push the cars so hard and the the circuit's so tight. Um, you know, qualifying seems to be the highlight for, uh, for Monaco. So I don't know that I'd want to change the... I don't know that I want to change the track for qualifying. I don't know if it'd even be logistically possible, but like having the qualifying track and then having the 
racetrack where maybe things are a little bit more open, uh, making it a little bit easier to race or overtake or, you know, maybe it's just slight changes. I don't know if that... And I think we mentioned as well as yeah. a caveat to say we should have a fantasy yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. If we disregard if there's buildings there or heritage sites mm. or hospitals, like, just get rid of it yeah, <laughs> for yeah. the sake of F1. I fucking hate hospitals. Get rid of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that's that's maybe the biggest one. Again, I don't know how how it would logistically be done but um even just extending maybe like the bottom area so you've got a longer back straight yeah the front straight yeah and we see cars occasionally dive into before the second to last corner yep. extend that a bit maybe make it wider so you can actually have a bit more of a dive yep. you know there's two lines through there yeah that extends the back the front straight a bit yeah something like that it's it's interesting how i think it's just a problem as well that f1 just like I think part of the appeal for it with the older cars was because it was so those cars really were not to say that driving cars these days is easy because I think it's a yeah. they're easier cars to drive at a low limit but to drive at the absolute upper limit you still get brilliant qualifying laps mm. around there right but for the race they're just not that well suited well yep. previous cars you'd often see a lot of incidents and brushes against the walls and everything because yep. of the trickiness and even when I think about Formula E there and that's often a really good track for Formula E because yeah. those cars and the different management and everything that affects them and you've got a car you know it's running at 50% power trying to back a train mm. but that, that that's completely different to, to the rules of F1 yep. so they can also it's a little tricky for that FE can also sort of do a little bit of bumping and barging without too much damage it's so, true yes whereas F1 just can't you know you take a quick look it's uh, you, very you much flip, a hard no flick contact the front, right front wing with your index finger and it flies off yes so um yeah it's you can't especially with the cars getting even bigger now like you just can't run side by side there um, yes all you need to do is look at signs when he started the uh mm. leclerc when he started the back was trying to make up places yeah. and he was throwing it and then dinging a wing and then dinging a tire and he just yeah. went like he's got no other choice but yeah, the, exactly. you just see it's even with that massive speed differential yeah. um i guess thinking i'd apply maybe the same to hungary i mm. think if that front if the front straight was a little longer yeah so cars can just catch up a little more. I think it almost works out where, where even though they really only have that first and second corner to overtake on, often you do get a lot of decent fighting there, but I think you just extend that front straight a bit more and there's a bit more of a run into that second than, you know, leading into the rest of the first sector complex. Yep. I reckon that would help a bit. It's hard to change that middle bit, which is really where the cars kind of spread out a bit, but I think that's generally been how hungary's been anyway so i wouldn't necessarily change that because that's kind of the heart of the track yeah sure if you know what i mean yeah, yeah yeah but you could still maybe change that if you really long extend that first corner that could that could help as well mm. um yeah i think i think a lot I'm of these tracks have in now. common is yeah the straights just aren't long enough for the the close yeah. the closing speed to get close enough so um, exactly yeah which again maybe because these cars can follow a little bit closer maybe it'll be a little easier uh like they can yes maybe just catch through the corners um and then by the time they get to the straight they're already right behind them um, because they haven't had to back off and then they can sort of make moves but again is the, the straight going to be long enough to even you know send it for a move or do they need a little bit yes. more like i think that's kind of what needs to happen with a lot of these uh, a lot of these tracks but yeah, yeah and particularly monaco those straights are just not nearly long enough to to really do yeah. anything unless you have such a good run or just like such a big speed differential with the car in front that um yep. or they just have like a really bad exit from the final corner or something and it's just yeah. not it's just not going to happen so um yeah anything I'm just looking through anything the... like that go on no that's it yeah. that's all I was going to say I was just, just say still no just looking through the track list I don't think we have that many tracks that are really a concern I mean I 
even I mean we're not going there this year, but even Russia, I've never really minded. I think it has been more of an F one car problem with the dirty air has really hurt there. Yeah. But I know for a fact playing on the games that's actually a really fun track where that's less of an issue. And I think it does work if you have cars that just don't suck being in filthy air in yeah. mid speed corners because the entire track, yep. except for like two corners, is mid speed corners, mm-hmm. right? Even Singapore, I don't mind. I think there's enough straights there that makes it interesting, and the cars yep. can follow closely through everything else. I, I think, think they Singapore can run side by side as well. So, that's such yep. a great example of a city track that actually works yep. right even though it's plonked in the middle of a, of a city yeah, um, yeah, yeah you could think about changing something with japan but that's always kind of worked just enough as well mm. um i think it tracks like mexico is fine brazil is fine spain. abu dhabi yeah spain is the only other choice i was thinking yeah. of i would i know they made the changes for the moto gp but i would change back that corner in the middle of the track that they changed because i don't I loved the fact they had a heavy braking zone there and it made the next corners after that really tricky. Mm. But now where they sweep out, I just feel like it's a freebie and I yeah. hated that they didn't have both layouts there. Yeah. <laughs> that's always, that's, I, since they announced that, I'm like, oh, that's the only fun thing about that track. Yeah. Um, even from my side playing it in GT Sport and that's gone now. So I'm like, <laughs> bring, bring it back. I wouldn't, I know a lot of people for Spain have said bring back that flat out last two corners. Mm. I don't, you could, but I don't know if it would help everything. I mean, it would maybe help for that final left-right to maybe make it just easier to get a good run out because it seems so hard to get grip out of there that even if you're in any sort of dirty air, you're stuffed and then you lose your run. I so think, maybe. Well, I think even with these cars, again, we saw in... Well, we saw... We read about testing, in testing right? that, um, yeah, they were just, like, struggling through those low-speed corners Slugs. because of... Yeah, because <laughs> of the... Uh, well, a couple of reasons. The lack of downforce, because it's obviously all ground effect. They had to slow down so much. They had no downforce trying to actually steer, you know, the heavier weights uh, of the tires, yep. you know, trying to get that car turned in was just super hard. They can't go over the curbs as much as they used to because they so were So I was going to say there's massive so... curbs there as well, so you can't even attack it like you used to be able yeah, to. Yeah, so it makes it, uh, you know, if if maybe the car behind gets it right, but the car in front, you know, oh, they, they go a bit too deep because, you know, they've... Uh, they can't get it turned in or they've gone in a bit too fast. So they clip the yeah. curb and, oh, they've, you know, they've kind of squirrely out of the corner. Maybe that could set something up for this year, um, you know, in these years, <laughs> excuse me, this year's cars. So um, I think there's a little bit more potential with that uh, that slow speed. And I think there's a... That, that, that last sector, I reckon, yeah, you. Yeah. I don't know how you do it, but I reckon you could yeah. change that to make something just you could, dynamically yeah. different to how it is now, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, I don't but know. That's about I think all I all I'd have. Looking at the rest, yeah, I don't. Baku I think is fine. Yeah. Even Silverstone, fine. Yeah. Austria, fine. <laughs> yeah, you could for the sake of it, but no, you know, I, I go to those races being excited, yeah. knowing that it's going to be a good race. Yeah, exactly. Than we used to for some of these, where you go, oh brother, just bloody <laughs> yep. sleep in for this one. Yeah. Lap two, going to bed. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. That's usually with Monaco. It's like uh, you see them go through the first corner. There's no red flag, and you're like, all right, yes. Good night, everyone. That was fun. So. And then they cut to stroll, and you go, "Oh no, uh, yeah, <laughs> what, what did he miss? <laughs> One thing, <laughs> yeah, we need to know." Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, just something that would improve uh, the, the overtaking and the side by side racing at, at any of those yeah. tracks for sure. So, yeah, um, I'll go through a bit of a, a few quick fire points, which you can choose to pick up if you want, yeah. or we can just breeze past them. Yeah, we, we um, can talk about them, and maybe on the next podcast, we're already pretty close to an hour so um yeah true yeah uh, yeah we'll we'll touch on some things if you want yeah i was just to say um one bit more so which was interesting from a headline point of view was toto wolf came out basically saying that he puts the chances for mercedes to win the championship at two to eight 
No one knows why he said two to eight instead of one to four, uh, but he said two to eight. So okay, that's what <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's what he said. And people were like, Weird. okay, we'll write that down. All right. Um, I guess that leads into what we were saying before about obviously they see they wouldn't have gone down this drastic. Uh, different looking car if they didn't think there was some hope there mm-hmm. but they're obviously saying look all we're going to rely on is if we do put it together then it would just be a chance of actually smashing everyone out of the park at the last minute and then we pull it back yeah um, actually you know what on that sort of on that topic a uh, little bit of a side yeah. note but i was reading an article it was on it was actually on the, the formula one website uh it was one of their tech tuesdays that they have um yeah but there's a theory it's only a theory but um, that uh, the was there's all this talk about the Mercedes engine being sort of like down on power compared to uh you know the Ferrari, the, the other the other three engines uh but apparently like GPS analysis so far from the first three races showed that Mercedes power unit while it is down it's only roughly like point one five seconds of, of lap time down on power and considering Mercedes right. is like let's say a second off uh per lap to you know ferrari and red bull um that's a yes. pretty small amount that's like you know 10 15 of of their their lap time uh to the power unit which isn't i mean it yeah. is it is a, a lot you know you know one and a half tenths is, is it's a lot, noticeable but... but it's not like they're off by that amount or you know yeah but it, uh it, they yeah. seem to this tech tuesday who was i'm gonna open this article and and actually um, there's a few of them that do it yeah they're so, all good by the way there's normally like sam collins or craig scarborough or yeah, any of those um, let me actually Jolly open it because i want to i want to yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, open. open there you go tech tuesday with mark hughes he's good as well so mark hughes, he was the other one um but yeah so he seems to think that there's there's a correlation between the the three teams that run uh, Mercedes engines and Mercedes gearboxes, which is obviously Mercedes, Aston Martin, and Williams, uh, they all seem to have this like pretty bad porpoising problem uh, in the sense that they have to try and like raise the ride height so much that they're just losing so much downforce because of it. Inconvenience the car, yeah. Um, and McLaren, uh, while they're running the Mercedes power unit, they're not running the Mercedes gearbox and they don't have the porpoising. So... Mm, they run their own suspension system and all that. Yeah, yeah the so bank. the theory is is that, you know, and obviously all these three teams are struggling and if the power unit's only down 0.15 seconds a lap time, you know, according to the analysis, then... Uh, could it be that power. how the Mercedes gearbox sort of works in the car um, in terms of... Uh, it's, if you read the article, it's literally called, uh, on the Formula 1 website, why the gearbox layout could be the key to solving the porpoising. Um, yeah. It's only, obviously, correlation. Correlation and causation are different things, but it's a it's an interesting theory given that we know that all three of those teams are struggling and we know they're all struggling with porpoising. Uh, and downforce in particular. Uh, so I was going to say, we know Mercedes have come out and they said we're just lacking a lot of rear downforce, mm-hmm. and this year especially, a lot of that comes from your rear packaging. A lot of that comes from the suspension and how your wind feeds through that, and that suspension configuration is also determined by your gearbox. Yep. So yeah. certainly something there. Yeah, so apparently, um, you know, you look at the overheads, the actual designs of the car themselves, um, you know, you see this sort of on the Ferraris and... Uh, and the Red Bulls, you know, the sort of uh, like bottleneck uh, where the gearbox sort of sits, sits sort of way further forward than uh, they do on the the Mercedes 
power units. So I think the let me let me see if I can find it. There were two uh two possibilities that he gave. He said the wider body work at the rear may be contributing toward the airflow restriction of the underbody. The more teardrop shaped upper body works of the others should be able to exert a more helpful airflow over the top of the diffuser, potentially making the underbody tunnels more stall resistant. That's one possibility. And then the second mm-hmm. one he gives is where the stall point is relative to the car's center of gravity could affect the severity of the bouncing. The short gearbox layout could be putting that center of gravity at a really awkward point relative to the stall point of the underbody and inducing a leverage effect. So that's a lot of fancy words, but basically, <laughs> um, you know, there, there's two suggestions that potentially, you know, it could be uh, that Mercedes engine slash gearbox uh, in those three cars that's actually causing porpoising um you know way more than than every other car and particularly at like lower speeds than uh than someone like you know ferrari while ferrari still has the porpoising it starts at higher speeds uh and it stops when they get on the brakes when they actually need to get into the corners whereas it sort of it keeps oscillating in in particularly that mercedes we saw seems to be independent of yeah yeah. there's all the factors and then yeah obviously you know aston martin and williams what they've had to do is they've just had to raise the ride height uh so much that um they just just to get get it and then you know they're losing so much downforce which is why they're um you know more towards the back because they just can't get that lap time um that they need to so and not just downforce in the traditional sense where downforce normally in past years yep. equals drag. In this case, your downforce is what sucks your car to the ground. Yeah, exactly. It's the same that you have to have less downforce on the straight pushing it down, mm-hmm. but then they also have that less downforce in the corners, mm-hmm. so it's both straights and corners less downforce is affecting. Yes. So double whammy, that one. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a theory that could, you know, if, if, they, can, if they can somehow figure out how to get that, you know, that porpoising away using how that gearbox is laid out in the car or, you know, somehow fixing the airflow while not, I don't, I don't know the technical things that will go into that, but I'm sure, you know, one of those three teams probably has an idea um, whether or not that's even the case. But if it is something like that, uh, you know, all the, all three of those teams could um, absolutely benefit uh, from even one of those teams having a revelation. So um, and that would also make sense while they've come out and they're kind of saying this isn't just like slap an extra little winglet on yes, it or move yeah. a bar here, right? They're yep. almost saying we're just happy kind of... I mean, they've been open saying that these three races from Mercedes' perspective have been glorified test sessions to get as much data as they can. Yep. Probably so then they can go back, figure out what their big upgrade needs to be. They're you know, probably only one big upgrade they want to do considering costs and everything like that to then fix it and then push it out to the other teams too. Yep. So it all kind of lines up, doesn't it? It's a little too coincidental to be... Just a theory. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. Obviously, nothing's going to happen yet. I don't think anyone's bringing any major updates for a few races still. I think even Ferrari have no. said that, um, you know, they're not bringing any big updates for Imola because of uh, the sprint race uh, format. They only get the one practice session, so they can't properly trial parts. Got it, yep. Um, that was one thing I did read about. So they're not bringing any uh their first effectively major part for MLR. So you'll probably see that next race. But um uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the MLR um preview, which will be the, the next video Indeed. coming out. So um yep. stay tuned for that one. But yep. um the the very last thing is uh I just wanted to to point out that Red Bull seem to think there's still no clear fix for the fuel system problems uh, on that Red Bull, so... Problems? Because it's not it's, like yeah. it's been the same bloody problem. It's been it seems to be multiple. a different problem yeah, every time. So, uh, yeah, they need to 
figure out what that fix is and implement it pretty quickly. Otherwise, it's very much just going to be a a one horse race out in front, and yes. then Red Bull could very easily, um, you know, if Mercedes get their shit together, uh, then they could exactly. very very they easily drop back P3 and have pretty easily, <laughs> yeah, and have a, a second third fight with with Mercedes, and Mercedes could jump them. Yep. So, um, it very easily could just happen like that. So they need to. <laughs> need to be very vigilant uh in in finding that issue and fixing it fucking asap um yeah they can't just it's interesting how it could be coincidence but this is the first year where red bull are essentially running their teams under the rebadged red bull powertrain yep. essentially meaning they have their own kind of ex honda employees and they will have some probably still involvement from overseas but it's nowhere near as close and kind of on prem as it was yep. so there's some saying maybe you know, when they used to identify something, they had so many hands on deck that they could fix it quickly. But in this case, maybe because of the restrictions in terms of having to nail things down and in terms of um, not having all your experts on site to test and go through dinos to solve everything quickly, mm. it's like, is this just a coincidence or is this actually part of that issue that they, you know, were wary of with, with having this interim kind of band-aid before they figure out their future? So, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll we'll find out. Um, I'm curious we will. what will happen at this next race because I think I said in the bloody Australian race breakdown, it's a d- different <laughs> different track again. Like fucking, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, but I'm excited. I'm I'm here for it. So maybe we'll see a, yep. a bloody flipped script again, and Haas will come back and be the fourth strongest team, and Aston will have found something, and they're right in there, and I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anymore. Hopefully, um, I I hope it doesn't sort we'll of. We'll probably be seeing a lot of. We'll be seeing a lot of red. I'm sure on the TV screens. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> the first uh, actual um, Ferrari home race uh, with, with Ferrari, Ferrari at the top. It. So that <laughs> yeah. might be a sellout. So. With the yeah. amount of red I saw at Melbourne, let's just say <laughs> I'm expecting to see a lot more at, yeah, <laughs> at Imola. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I did't really have any other points. There's a couple of other topics, but um, we can we can save them for the next one. They're yeah. not super important. So, I guess um one little thing. Yeah. I guess I did just want to mention to close it out yeah, yeah. without going to too much. As we're saying about these upgrades, I saw I'm only raising this up because I was looking today, hmm. seeing some of the Italian media and reports coming out where Ferrari basically saying for their probably their their. I wouldn't call it final engine upgrade, but one of the last kind of upgrades they can do on their engine is they're kind of like, this is our final little mm. top up on what we're doing. I think they're essentially saying they have what what I see referred to as PU2, which is effectively their second yeah. kind of version of the current power unit, gotcha. where they're saying that through something which they've labeled endothermic reinforcement, which I thought was a fancy word, right. which essentially means it smooths out the kind of delivery and increase of power across the whole of the power curve. They're looking that they might actually have an extra 10 to 15 extra horsepower oh available God. once they implement that. That's fucking um, ominous. They, I think, yeah, the first words was it might be in case for Imola, but they seem to be patient with them. Yeah. They might race, they might wait until Miami or even after Miami. Mm. But the word seems to be that they've kind of found this less through just, you know, having at the top end some extra power, but actually through just smoothing of their curve. Yeah, yeah. They've got around 10 to 15 extra horsepower they're playing. Um, of course, we don't know really from the other engines of what they're planning, but... It seems to be there's um, I would... a few sources which seem to be pretty credible saying they've got yeah. even some extra boost coming. That's crazy. I mean, they um, don't even need to roll it out super quickly either because they've still no. got the fastest power unit. Uh, Mercedes are, again, 0.15 off um, at best. Uh, Red Bull have to. Red Bull and 
Alpine both have to, or Red Bull and Renault, I should say, their power have units have some reliability but to yeah, work. Yeah, on, they right? got reliability to work on, so you can you can hold that off for a couple of races and run you know this engine without having to risk reliability issues because they've obviously exactly. got a reliable engine. You haven't seen many issues from that Ferrari engine at all, even with the customers. So um, yep. you know they can keep running that, keep running it, and then maybe you know once they feel like they they need that extra boost uh in horsepower they or when they're it. totally comfortable to exactly. say we've tested yeah, yeah, yeah. we know it's not going to be blown up yep. and yeah so i did want to mention that yeah um, no that's that's good i didn't, so, didn't read about that so yeah yeah that's that's ominous signs for, <laughs> for anyone not in a ferrari powered car i would say yes yeah. indeed yeah, so <laughs> um but yeah uh it's a good it's a good, good first podcast i liked it good yeah, discussion that was I good prefer this i think yeah so um yeah yeah i hope, um, hope you I don't enjoyed think we, I, there you go. Yeah, I hope you all enjoyed. I don't I don't remember if we specifically talked about when we would be putting these up, but essentially unless there's kind of kind of uh, we're feeling sporadic kind of mm. what do you call it? Um motivated in the moment mm. kind of thing, a spark in the moment to go, let's record something right now. Yeah. Um generally in the in the off weekends where we don't yeah. have like a double or a triple header, we're looking to record and upload these, yep. mostly so we've got a bit of time to digest what's happened and look ahead what's going forward. Of course we'll probably upload a little more in the mid season break. We're still a while away from that, but our plan would be to record a few things there. Correct. Um but again that's that's the format we're looking to to have this chat here to fill a bit of the break there. Yep. Um yeah. so So the plan in terms of like uploads like for individual ones. So we're recording this one. This is Saturday. We're gonna try and record this uh Saturdays at some point. Uh try and get the Spotify one up for Sunday. So if you're listening on Spotify on Sunday then we got it up on time. If it's up on Monday, then we're, <laughs> you know, we're shit. Sorry. Um, and thanks for listening on Spotify as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, if you are on YouTube and you're listening, uh, that'll come out uh, sort of Tuesday, Wednesday-ish midweek. So yeah, Spotify listeners do get it a, you know, a few days early. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm going to see how it goes in terms of editing both of them and see what's what's realistic but yeah at the very least two days early for spotify listeners so um yeah thanks thanks for listening if you are on there uh or thanks for watching on youtube or listening on youtube if you're there as well um yeah i'm I'm looking forward to doing these and i think it's kind of nice that we do it you know realistically once every couple of weeks so um, yeah enough time to for stuff to build up so and it's a bit more of a, of, a, of a casual chat about what's going on yep. rather than specifically what's either about to happen or has just happened. 100%. Yeah. Also, there's the potential for potentially guests coming on in the future. So Indeed. We're, we're having some discussions. So, uh, yeah, might might see that. Uh, if there's anyone you think who might be interested, uh, let us know as well. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll check them out and we'll see how we go. But, uh, yeah. Indeed. Uh, yeah, this is fun. I'll let, you, I'll let you close it out, Kyle, if you want. Um, again, if as always, if you guys want to get in touch, if you're watching on YouTube, always chuck it down in the comments. We're checking there. Alternatively, we're always active on our Twitter, so you can either add our Twitter, which well, is Final Sector Y T, I believe. Yes. <laughs> always checking. Yeah, I would yeah, do. Okay. Fair Not necessarily, let's say, active, but I will keep an eye <laughs> on things. Are I've been really bad. There, right? bad. We d- I've been so bad. <laughs> We do try. We do generally promote our content on there as well. So if you give us a follow or send us, a, um, we'll see the notification. Respond to any of our tweets. We'll certainly engage on there as well. Sure. Um, but otherwise, yeah. Look, we'll um, we've got Imola coming up. So as you say, we'll do, do a bit of preview for that. Yeah. There's a still a whole series of unknowns and excitement to go for that. So we're very much looking forward to it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you guys next time for the Imola Grand Prix. Goodbye. Take care, all. <laughs>